Psalm chapter 42. We got any theologians in the house who wants to take it deep? All right, now most of you, now here's what you can do. You can do like me. I write in the margins of my Bible. That's okay. If you're single and you're sitting next to someone single, look at the margins of the Bible. As it exponentially increases in notes, their possibility of being a good mate does as well, okay? You know, I made fun of Ryan for so many Sundays in a row that he actually got engaged to my sister to repay me. He is single no more, and I am out of sisters, y'all. So I'm not calling any single people out of the house, but I will say a Bible marked up is an indicator of something. Got me this far, right, Boo Kitty? Psalm 42, most of you, as you read scripture, actually would have, um, you would have actually skipped the subtext. There's actually a line before the actual scripture that says this, for the director of music, a mascot of the sons of Korah. And I think it's so interesting, God's timing, because see, a psalm was meant to be sung. And, and really, I'll be honest with you, I love Hillsong, I love Mosaic, I love Bethel, I love all the expressions of worship, but this was the church of the real. There are, we haven't touched this level. We have digressed as a people. When you go through Psalm 42, someone emo with jet black hair and the flock of seagulls haircut over 3,000 years ago wrote this one. Because we don't sing psalms the way that they sang, they wrote them back in the day. And we're going to look at this quickly, but Psalms 42 said that this was specifically written, the, the direction that was given for this song that would have been sung is that it was for the sons of Korah. And the only mention that we have of the sons of Korah in scripture is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19. And it actually says that it was a subgroup of the Levites. And see, the Levites were the people at that particular time that had a genetic destiny to be the ones that, that, that put together the services that the children of Israel went through. So, they, so to be Levitical means that you have a call on your life to actually do ministry full time. I mean, that's another way of saying, and this was the Old Testament. You with me? Am I? Okay. All right. And, um, and so the sons of Korah were actually a subgroup of the Levites. And then what you have in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19, is it said, and they stood up and they begin to sing with a loud voice. It was the choir, y'all. The sons of Korah. So what I didn't know is that we were going to debut the choir on the same Sunday that I was preaching Psalms 42. We got some sons and daughters of Korah in the house today. And you know what I'm so thankful you know, the sons of Korah were refer referred to as the loud ones. We got the loud Levites in the house. We got any loud ones here? You know, it's, it's funny watching you guys break out of religions and traditions because you're like, I would have got beat ruthlessly for being loud at church. Now he's provoking me. Do, is it God or the devil? Is God because the sons of Korah were loud and they begin to sing this. And I believe they would have sang it as a choir triumphantly with a loud voice and I'll preach this again, second service, so you can get there. There's so much meat here, but it says this. Let's skip to uh, verse 7 in chapter 42. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your. Someone say your. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves. Someone say your. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. How many of you know that some of the problems in your life are not from the devil? 
See, what he was actually, what they were singing was, God, I'm in this place of desperation. I am distressed. I feel like, like maybe you have forgotten me. And all my friends are looking at me, and they're actually saying, why has God forsaken you? And he begins to sing out deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfall. See, in the sovereignty of God, you're going to go through some stuff, and God knows you're going to go through it. But see, pure worship begins to come out when you can say, now let's skip down. By, by day the Lord directs his love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. See, as these waves are crashing over me, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And you want to know why your friends are going to tell you, well, don't you give money to that church? Why are you still broke? Where is your God? Well, don't you show up and load in and set all this stuff up and give God everything you've got? Where is he now when you need him most? Because your wayward husband has done run off. And see, we get to this point, the reason why in Psalm 42 they were asking, where is your God, is because it looked like the person was abandoned. You're going to go through some seasons in your Christian walk where people are going to ask you who don't get what you're doing, where is your God? Have they asked you already? And you begin to ask this question, and sometimes the questions of your friends can become the questions of your own mind if you're not careful. Sometimes the doubts and the worries and the anxieties and the fears of your friends can actually become the doubts, worries, anxieties, and fears of your own mind. And the greatest warfare you'll ever face isn't that bill that came up due this month. It's that, that conversation that starts from the morning you, the, the minute you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night and continues through your nightmares. And it says this, Verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Asking a question. You know, it's funny because I had something I wanted to tell you guys today, and I promise you Ferdick preached it last week, and I was like, come on, Ferdick, why are you gonna do me like that? Until I realized that it was probably the same Holy Spirit trying to tell the church on a broadcast the same thing. We spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time talking to ourselves. We spend too much time entertaining our own voice as if you have to listen to everything you say to you. See, but what the psalmist did is he said, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. That's a command. Sometimes to get victory, you've got to command yourself. If you're going to have a January and June, the thing you didn't do last January to get to the other side is you talk too much to, you actually listen too much to yourself and didn't talk enough. And the thing that you've got to begin to do is tell yourself what you're going to think. Tell yourself what you're going to say. Tell yourself what you're going to do. You know, too often in our society, you know, imagine like a, a train. And the engine of the train in our society that, that actually is a catalyst for all the other movement is, is our feelings. And then the caboose down at the, the way other end of all those cars later is actually our will. And we say, well, if I feel like it, I'll be good today because my feelings are the engine that drives my entire life. 
But see, the story of Jesus Christ was him standing inside the garden and he had that same bait, that same thing in front of him. And he said, no, my will will actually become the engine that drives this whole thing. And if my feelings catch up and if they never catch up, so be it. And I tell husbands all the time and say, well, I'm not attracted to my wife anymore after a couple of kids and stretch marks and all that. And after I get done slapping them in the privacy of my office, I tell them, fool, you need to allow your will to become the engine and then your feelings will follow. Because secular science actually tells us that the most satisfying love life you can have is between two monogamous, long-term committed couples of the opposite sex, AKA what the Bible says. But you'll never know the richness and the fullness of life until you do it God's way but that will require you changing carts and say, I'm gonna allow the engine that drives my life to be my will and then my feelings will follow. And see, so many of you, and we did communion to begin because your will is in this deadened place and you need the very resurrection power of the blood of Jesus for your will to begin to fire up again. And that will only happen through surrender. And this psalmist said this deep calls to deep deep calls to deep. Have you ever been through a whole worship service and you'd see everyone else getting happy and it makes you more mad? Have you ever seen all your friends just seem like, man, they're getting so excited and all it's doing is like rain on a hard ground, making it harder? Sometimes you're not going to feel it. If we built an entire church off of feeling, we'd have to start pumping pure oxygen into this room and engineering something but how many of you know that the blood of Jesus is the best thing that we'll ever have to move into our destiny? It's not gonna be caffeine. It's not gonna be the seven steps towards success. It's gonna be surrender. And look at how this ends. Verse 11 ends like this, and we'll end like this today. For this service, it says, why my soul, why my mind and my will and my emotions are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put, and this is the command, put your trust, your hope in God. For I I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know what's so powerful about that? He didn't praise him then. He said, I yet will praise him. There's some times where you're gonna tell yourself what to do and not even be able to do it immediately. I will yet praise him. I don't have it in me yet. <laughs> Where's your yet today? I will yet praise him. You ever, you ever sat next to a woman in the faith who's been saved for many, many years and she's been weathered by the storms. She's gone through the ups and the downs with Jesus. And when she begins to pray, she says the same words you do, but you feel chills all over you because some starts to break loose. You know, there is a depth that begins to happen and, and God through January and June is actually wanting to deepen so many of you in this place. And, and I believe there is a depth that, that happened in Psalm 42. Whoever wrote and penned this psalm, we get this window into the depth of their soul. And they, you don't hear worship songs written like this too much anymore, but it was saying, he commands his soul, put your hope in God, but then follows up with, I will yet praise him. It's a resignation, I'm not going anywhere. I might not be in love with my wife, but I'm gonna love her. I might not be in love with the local church and the direction they're taking, but I'm gonna love that church and serve it. 
I might not be in love with the music that's being played right now. It's not my style or my genre, but I'm going to worship like I love what's happening in the room as people lift their voices up. Do you feel a gravity and a depth? I don't love carrots, but I love living in the land of the living and being around so long and being so ornery that the devil's ticked off because he didn't kill me by now. You're not going to love making the next step and taking the resolution and saying, God, you're giving me a chance to redo. I'm going to do it in June, what I should have done in January. You're not going to love it. You're not going to be in love. But love is actually a choice that produces a feeling, not a feeling that produces a choice. And that's why you're sleeping with everyone you can, hoping they choose to marry you. But that's not love. That's lust. Somebody hear me today. If you worship for a feeling, you'll never know the one that you are here to worship. If you pray for a feeling, you'll never know the one that you pray to. And some of you here need to get with us, Psalm chapter 42, because you are, you are singing. You know why this song is so powerful? And this is God's judo flip on you today. When you're singing, Waymaker, you know, don't make me go there. I'll do, I'll do the vocal trill. Waymaker, you know, and you're singing that out. You might have actually felt a feeling in that moment because you were thinking about the way, not the waymaker. You might have got a, a feel good off of this song because you were thinking about the miracle, not the miracle maker. And see what happened is five years ago, you had a set of problems that you needed a way made and a miracle then. And you actually forgot that you even had that problem and it was the worst thing in your life. And so here's the point. If you're here to worship for the miracle, if you're here to worship for the way, you're gonna miss the whole point. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Now watch what begins to happen. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. God, though you slay me, yet will I praise you. I'm going through the fire, but the key word is through. I'm coming out pure as gold. It's the refiner's fire, because even though Nebuchadnezzar thought he threw you in the fire, it's actually your refining that God was after. It was you the one who were being tested. It was the trial of life that he knew you were gonna go through to come out on the other side January and June I never want to be the kind of church because we can turn into an idol factory real quick the idolatry of worship the idolatry of self-help the idolatry of a feeling some of you you just begin to close your eyes and set an atmosphere because there's something happened I know this is a hard word but some of you have actually worshiped your own feelings so much that you bow to the God of your pain your God is your pain and you literally worship him and even when you think you're singing a worship song and the words are coming up you're actually worshiping the idol of your own pain because you're actually seeking a feeling in the midst of that experience to placate and bring before the feet of your own trauma and pain that feeling man that's deep i'm sorry nine am you got it today i you know how i know that because that was my god for many years I was a follower of that system that tells you that your pain is the thing that should drive every choice in your life. 
But you know what? When you begin to bring that idol down and you say, God, you are the thing I'm placing in the center and now you are gonna be the driving force for all of my decisions. There's a resurrection that happens in your will and that becomes the engine that drives everything that happens in your life. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.